Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Gradcracker webinar featuring Sellafield. So Sellafield advertises their placements and graduate opportunities on Gradcracker and have been doing so for over the last five years. They also sponsor the Gradcracker toolkit, so check out their hub after the webinar to find out a little bit more about them. So Sellafield led the world in nuclear power. They are now moving into an era where they will transform the environment, local society, the regional economy and the nuclear industry. So let's find out a little bit more about Sellafield um, and meet Ross, who's a recruiter, Holly, Sean, Louise and Luke. So welcome everybody to the webinar today. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, Ross, starting with you, my love, could you tell the students about your role at Sellafield and how would you describe the company? Hi hey everyone, so yeah, I'm Ross Gardner and I work in the recruitment team. Um, I've been in the recruitment team for about six and a half years now, probably focusing on graduate and early careers recruitment for the last four. So my role really looks at the recruitment strategy, how we're going to find our graduates, how we're going to fill all our places, how we interact with companies like Gradcracker. And I also get really involved in like our digital aspect, so our careers website, any kind of digital attraction as well. Like um, I've worked with you forever, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> and Greg Cracker's so great for finding stuff out. So yeah, it's been really good for helping us find graduates over the years. Um, so yeah, the company, the company is um, well, as everybody knows, it's a, it's a really big place. We've got over, over 11,000 employees and we've got an even wider supply chain. So people that join us have got such a breadth of opportunity when they join us. It's not just, you know, you might come in as one thing, but your career could go in so many different directions. You're not just pigeonholed into one place, which is a really good thing about Sellafield. Um one thing to add is, you know, people hear the word decommissioning and they think we're closing down and that's not the case. You know, we've got nearly 100 years of work behind us. So your career could start here and end here if, if that's really what you wanted. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a fantastic place to work. Yeah, I bet there's a lot, quite a lot of misconceptions about Sellafield and what you do as well. So I'm hoping to kind of dig around those today and find out a lot more about you. Um, so thank you very much for the introduction, Ross. And um, what we're going to do now is go around the room, meet the grads and also get their top facts about Sellafield. Um, so Holly, I'm going to start with you. Could you just introduce yourself um, to the audience? You're smiling already, which is a good sign. Introduce yourself to the audience, tell them um, a bit about your background, where you studied and what you studied at university. Hi, I'm Holly. Um, I studied chemical engineering um, at Edinburgh University. I'm actually from the Wirral, so near Liverpool, so it was a bit of a big move for me. Yeah. And then another move to West Cumbria. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed doing like science and engineering at school and at A-levels. Um, and so did engineering at uni. And then basically I became really interested in process safety. Yeah. Um, and that's what led me into nuclear safety. Um, and that's how I became... Um, basically applied for the uh, safety case scheme at Sellafield. Yeah, um, and what, what, what sparked your interest in, in safety and process safety to begin with, Holly? Um, it was through courses that I did at uni. So I did yeah. a course on like basic process safety and then also advanced process safety. Um, and I kind of, I just found it really interesting and I really thought that it was important to study the accidents that had happened and figure out why they'd gone wrong and how we can stop that happening. Like yeah. I felt quite a responsibility as an engineer that that should not happen again. And obviously with Salafield being such a, a like a, you know, a dangerous place, I want it to be, you know, as safe as possible. So. Thank you very much for that, Holly. And your top facts about Salafield. Can't forget that. Top fact. <laughs> 
Yeah, so my top fact um, relates to Calder Hall. So this was actually opened in 1956 on the Sellafield site. So obviously the Sellafield site's massive. Yeah. Um, there's so many different facilities going on. Um, but Calder Hall is the one that kind of interests me the most. This is basically where it's the first place where commercial power was produced for the, for the electricity grid um, from nuclear. Um, and it operated well over its um, intended lifetime. It actually operated for like 47 years. Oh. Um, and it, yeah, it created huge amounts of obviously like renewable electricity. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Holly. Looking forward to speaking to you a little bit more about your role um, a little bit later on in the webinar. Um, I'm going to move on to Sean now. So Sean, where you went to university, what did you study and your top Sellafield fact? Okay, hi everyone, I'm Sean. I did an integrated master's in electrical and electronic engineering at Bristol. Uh, I did my final dissertation on electric propulsion systems and I'm currently in the electrical design grad scheme for Sellafield. So ever since A-levels, I like the design aspect and understanding how systems work and you put them together. And, and yeah, that's what I'm working on currently um, at Sellafield. Perfect. Um, yeah. And what did you just describe um, Grad Cracker as, Sean, when we met before? Uh, it saved my life when I was looking for <laughs> jobs after uni. It, it really did help. I think we changed the strap line. Yeah. Grad Cracker, saving lives. lives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sean was actually quizzing me and Jess before this webinar. I was like, hang on a minute. I, 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 I quiz people, not the way around. Thank you very much, Sean. And did, your fact about Sellafield? Um, so my fact about Sellafield is actually home to the four biggest nuclear risks in the whole of Europe, according to the government website. Perfect. I love the way you reference that as well, according to case. the government website. Just, yeah, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Thank you very much, Sean. Luke, I'm going to move on to you. Uh, yes, so I did uh, chemical engineering with nuclear technology at the University of Sheffield. Um, so I did a, an integrated master's that included um, a year's placement at Sellafield. So I was on the placement scheme. They then was look, I was lucky enough to be offered a job at the end of it. And now I'm back on the graduate scheme um, and I'm a process design graduate. Lovely. We're going to find out a little bit more about your journey as well from your placement scheme to becoming a grad a bit later on. Um, Louise, could you um, introduce yourself to the audience, please, and finish off with your top fact? Sure. So my name is Louise. I have a degree in environmental science and a master's in environment management from Lancaster University. So unsurprisingly, I'm an environment graduate here at Sellafield. And my top fact is that, as Holly said, it's a really big place and as a matter of fact, it measures six square kilometres. So it's really quite big. There's a lot to see. It's huge. One of my favourite pictures about Sellafield is, is a bit of like a, a bird's eye view of the, of the whole site and that's on the Gradcracker Hub. So yeah, go and check that out. So um, thank you very much, Louise, for your facts. And Ross, you're going to finish off with a fact about the graduate intake this year. Yeah, so to jump back to recruitment um, for our 2022 intake, which will start in September, we're actually looking for 98 grads, which is our highest ever intake of graduates, about yeah. 30 up on last year. So yeah, quite a big community of new graduates will be joining us both at the Sellafield location and our Harrisley offices. Yeah. Perfect. Thanks, Ross. And just so you guys know who's watching the webinar, um, Sellafield are still open to three placements and four graduate opportunities. And obviously there's multiple positions um, available into each of those opportunities. So um, go on to the Grad Cracker Hub after this webinar and apply to their positions. There is a bit of a, an alert. So the closing date is this Sunday. So make sure you apply sooner rather than later um, and get your applications in because Ross wants to hear from you. 
Um, what we're going to do now, thank you very much, Ross. What we're going to do now is speak to Luke and Louise about your experiences um, of using GradCracker when you put your applications together. Um, so Luke, when you started your placement scheme at Sellafield, um, just going back a couple of years, how did you utilize GradCracker um, in your job search and what stood out about Sellafield to make you apply to them? Yeah, so I, I mean, uh, quite similar to Sean, uh, GradCracker was was the the website that I went to. It was really useful to have all the deal, all the all the things in the same place. It was almost like a, you know, a money supermarket type thing where you put all your you put all your deals in, and then you choose the best ones, and you've got all the options there. So I really um, enjoyed having it all in one place. Yeah. Um, it was really good being able to filter, being able to. Um, use a different um use a different filtering tools to go and find the place that best suited me um and in terms of Sellafield, i mean similar to um what the other people have been saying is that it was the first commercial um nuclear power station so i think that was really in interested me i knew that nuclear was something that i wanted to um wanted to do when i went in throughout my career so it was trying to find that it was um and trying to really um decide on where best suited me and the challenges that Sellafield uh, are faced with that are unique that there's no blueprint for the for how you can solve this problem you're going to have to design it yourself it allows for um, a lot of innovation for a lot of deeper thinking and, and deeper understanding and that's something that really appealed to me and I, and I sort of gathered that through reading it on 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 the grad, grad cracker website and then moving on to um onto the Sellafield website so what well, what's the end game for Sellafield then Luke and um, oh this yeah. is anybody who wants to answer the question really you know 10, ten year plan for them what what they want to achieve well, well I think that's a question for the executives um <laughs> <laughs> but it, overall the 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 idea is to return the site at the moment to to what is what is classed as a greenfield site so at the moment it's a brownfield site it, 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 it acts as an industry it acts um on the industrial scale, um, it is returning it to greenfield and and to be controlled. Now, I think that 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 is planned to take over a hundred years going forward. So, by similar to what was said earlier, it's it's not just a case of ten years and it's done and there's 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 nothing left of it. It is a a long um, a long plan going forward. Um, I think that one of the biggest issues going forward is is a creation of a of a safe disposal facility for the nuclear waste, and Sellafield is 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 pioneering that, is moving that forward with the help of the Nuclear Decommissioning Authority. If that is 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 brought about, if that was um, built and operated, then that would have a ma massive um, repercussions on all the nuclear industry, and then also. The whole energy industry. I think there's a lot of is, nuclear energy is great. We're not 100% sure what to do with all the waste at the moment. If we can manage to pioneer a way to treat the waste, to deal with it, to safely dispose of it, then that opens massive doors going forward to help with the, the conversion from fossil fuels to uh, renewables or, or low carbon energy sources. Yeah, feels definitely leading the way out there. So thank you for that, Luke. Um, so I'm going to move on to Louise now. So similar question, Louise, to what I've just asked Luke. What parts of the um, Gradcracker hub, um, Sellafield hub on Gradcracker, sorry, did you find the most useful and, and why did you choose Sellafield? So about the 
company hub i'd say i looked at every single tab i don't think i can select yeah. <laughs> I, w- I really did my research before applying but i think the people's profile was really useful because it basically looked into different experiences of different graduates and they give the top tips for the assessment center or the interviews or even on the graduate scheme and i'm big i'm still following some of this advice even in my role now yeah. so i'd say that was the most useful tab and the reason why i chose Sellerfield. So during my undergrad, I studied a module called the causes and consequences of environment radioactivity. And obviously, Sillerfield was mentioned, and we studied it a little bit because it's an institution, isn't it? And I thought that was really interesting. So I ended up doing my master's project on the fate of Sillerfield radionuclides. Okay, yeah. So you could say I just tailored my studies to come and work here. And I just thought it's such a huge challenge from an environmental perspective. I wouldn't be getting the scope of work that I'm currently being involved with in any other company, I don't think. When you were studying for your master's and you did a project on Sellafield, were you able to go and visit the site or did you just do everything from, you know, like research on the internet and, and put your project together that way? No, so there was no, I didn't really visit the site because I was doing my project in a salt marsh in Lancashire because of the way currents in the sea yeah. work and just this transport and it was really nuclides there and also because it was during covid so yeah. i couldn't really go out and about that much i knew the covid word was going to crop up there louise when i asked the question i thought oh but this is covid <laughs> thank you very much louise can i just ask sorry carla um louise can i just ask you know in your in your application i'm guessing you did mention a, a lot about you know the work that you'd done and how you tailored it to to sellerfield and ross i'm going to kind of then sidestep to you as a question um just on applications because again it's something which i say all the time on a daily basis at the moment make sure you tailor target your applications i know that was obviously a perfect scenario for you Louise doing a project that was relatable to Sellafield but can you kind of give that advice as well Ross you know is that something you like to see in in your application obviously if they can prove something that's kind of a bit relatable to what you guys are doing yeah definitely and I think that's probably what we look out for because in some instances some of the roles are really overrun with applications so to stand out if you're submitting the same thing to every employer and believe it or not we actually get applications with other employers names on um, so doing that little attention to detail before you submit something it, it is vital because if you've submitted something else to us when it, it's it's an instant you, you're not you're not engaged with our with who we are and what we're trying to achieve you know which is to create the the clean and safe environment for future generations and it's just as if you're playing for loads of jobs in one go and somebody else will stand out ahead of you and especially if you've done a project on Sellafield or if you've done even just your own research you know not everybody's going to be in that position where they will have a, a an instant link with Sellafield but as long as you've done your research and looked into the profession you're applying for and kind of tailored your application yeah you you will definitely stand out uh, across the others yeah brilliant that's and good this, yeah and this is why we put the hubs together like you just mentioned Louise and we do work hard to think about what you as students would want to know about Sellafield. So this is why we put that on the um, the videos and the employer profiles and everything else. Um, and again, like Ross just mentioned, mention the fact that you've done your research, show off, mention that you've watched this webinar, for example, because this is really what, 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 what Ross wants to, I was going to call you Ross, Ross then, what <laughs> Ross wants to hear about. Um, so thank you for your experiences there, Louise. And now onto the opportunities that you do have open. Ross, I'm coming back to you. Um, so mention at the beginning that you've got four graduates and three placement opportunities open and um, tell the audience a little bit about those please 
So um, graduates, I think we've got left open engineering and maintenance, commissioning, construction and safety support. Yeah. Um, and the the first three are mainly engineering roles. Um, so we'll be looking probably for civil and electrical across those, mm -hmm. um, civil and electrical engineering. For the safety support role, we are open to the wider STEM backgrounds. Um, I'm, off the top of my head, I can't remember what placements are still out, but I think it follows a very, very similar theme to the graduates. Um, we do open quite early for all of our opportunities, so quite a lot of them have closed off now already, but don't let that put you off. You still might be suitable for the, what we've still got out there. Um, and if not, you know, we open every year sort of towards the end of August and September. So if, if what you're looking for isn't here now, you can always look again next year. Um, <laughs> But like um, Luke said earlier on, the placement scheme is an ideal route into the graduate scheme. And during your time on that scheme, you will get um, objectives to work on. And if you meet those objectives, that's how you then get offered a graduate role once you've done your last year at university. Um, similar sort of thing happens with our summer placements, which has now closed. So you would do like a mini assessment centre as well and then get the chance to be offered a role. And obviously, if you've done that placement and got that experience, you've got that kind of step up against anybody else. Um, so, so the placement students are considered first before the graduates like, apply, if that makes sense. Yes, yeah. Well, yeah. Jess is going to, I'm going to speak, speak on your behalf, Jess. So make sure you do your placements because then it yeah. makes your final year at university so much more easier. Um, but yeah, so like Ross said, there might not be something open for you guys at the moment, um, but follow Sellerfield. So they will be opening back end of August, September. I'm going to say next year, but next year is going to be this year sooner rather than later. So yeah, make sure you either follow or get your applications in. Um, what I'm going to do, Ross, is I'm going to skip over to Jess now. Jess will speak to the grads and then we'll come back to like timelines and assessment centres and things like that because I'm really excited to get to know about their stories. So Holly, I'm going to come to you first, if that's okay. I know you've spoke a bit about your job title and obviously you can kind of sense in your job title what your role is all about. But if you could just tell us all in a bit more detail, what is life like for you so far at Sellafield? Um, so I've really genuinely enjoyed life at Sellafield so far. Um, as I said, like I was already interested in safety, so I knew that the subject matter would interest me. Yeah. Um, but I actually didn't do any... Um, like really any physics when I was at um at a level or I mean obviously I did engineering at uni but I think I lacked quite a bit in like the sort of nuclear physics knowledge but they've really helped me like get up to speed with all of that and it's not been like for example the safety support role that I think is being that's been advertised um you you don't have to know like you have to feel like you have to know everything like they will support you and they will help you um, so I actually I work for Safety Case, which is slightly different to Safety Support. Um, both super important, but basically, safe, so Safety Support and um, they work with more like conventional safety hazards that happen on site. So obviously, there's just so many risks and hazards. Like for example, um, I don't know a crane falling, like handling movement kind of things. And mm -hmm. um, but then there's also like specific nuclear hazards as well. So I work with more of like the nuclear hazards. Okay. Um, uh, in particular, I work with basically stopping a chain reaction happening where we don't want it to happen, which right. would obviously be very bad news. Um, so, yeah, so but we both have to work together, really. So I will be on placements at some point with safety support um, graduates and hopefully we'll get to see like what they do and and we'll be able to kind of like share um, learning and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so far it's been it's been really interesting and I, I've really enjoyed it. 
Brilliant. So I can imagine there's almost the known known. So like you're, what I mean by that is like the obvious hazards. And and then there's, I can imagine the stuff which you don't know what could happen. Because Luke, you mentioned earlier, you've got sometimes waste that you don't necessarily what to do with or where to put or whatever. So I can imagine that role is kind of evolving all the time, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I think as well, the hazards all interact with each other, which is what makes it even more complicated. So like a really basic example, if you have a fire that happened um, like you've got the interaction between the nuclear hazards and conventional hazards. So, for example, if a fire happens, can we spray it with water or foam to put it out? Or will that actually like obviously that will help put the fire out? But because yeah, we've got nuclear yeah. material that we're dealing with, will that then lead for us having a nuclear reaction? And then like, will the, you know, the opposite happen that we don't want? Um, and yeah, so it is really interesting. It's obviously very complicated as well, because like Luke said, like this is a challenge that isn't being dealt with anywhere else. And yeah. so this complex mixture of hazards, you're not going to see elsewhere, which is, I think, why I was really interested in Sellafield and why I wanted to really just jump into process safety here, really, because I didn't think I'd get that anywhere else. Yeah, two points I want to make, Holly, because the first thing you said earlier about, um, you know, the physics side of things and not knowing as much maybe is what you'll know now. But I think sometimes that is a bit of a, a worry for students, isn't it? So I think sometimes when students are applying for jobs, you know, they think they have to know everything and you don't do, that's the whole point of the, the programme. You know, the employer can teach you those bits. So would you say your skills have improved massively, not just in physics, but in other areas? Yeah, definitely in loads of areas. I think the main thing is just being like open to learning, really, mm-hmm. um, even if it's slightly different than what you're used to. So obviously, because I did chemical engineering, I had quite a strong chemistry and maths background. Yeah. But like I say, less like less so with with nuclear physics. Um, but even with things like I've recently started learning how to code um, oh. in a program called Monk, which is basically a program that we use to try and predict like how these neutrons are going to interact with each other and whether we're going to get a a chain reaction basically um and so it and it sounded really complicated when they first told me about it but I think the main thing was that I was just excited to learn and open to learn and that's what that's what made it easier to learn and that is the key isn't it if you've got an open mind you're willing to learn it'll you know take you most of the way won't it just the other thing and I I don't know if, if I'm allowed to go down this route Carla and Ross are probably thinking oh what's she gonna say (laughs) you know from your you know I think there is a lot of misconceptions around the nuclear industry but also from you Holly with the your role and you know so safety aspect would you what would you say the biggest misconception for you is uh, if you were to tell you know maybe convince a student that's maybe not never considered the nuclear sector before what would you say a misconception is I would say, well, definitely the biggest misconception that like my friends and family have thought since I've started is that it's not safe to work for. Um, that like if you work on or for like an, you know, a nuclear facility, that you'll be exposed to you know super high levels of radiation yeah. and then you're obviously more likely to develop cancers and things. But actually the background levels of radiation that we all get. Um, is quite low it's like 2.7 and you only get I think half you only get like one 
extra if you work and it's, it's spread over a year as well so it's not it's really not as much as you think and it's actually very very strictly controlled like even last week I did a training course where we had to learn how to use like the Geiger counters on our body to pick up and um, and like when you go in and out of a controlled area it's so so strict you can't even like wear the same socks um yeah. you, you have to wear uh, shoes that are only meant for that contaminated area it's wow. actually a lot it's very very safe like it is it is much safer than you think yeah I remember when we we've been somewhere was it STFC and we had to have um something on our That's what I was just thinking we had lanyards of it. it was a lanyard wasn't it and it was um because we were going in different places. radiation didn't yeah, it? dose meters dose meters yeah that's it yeah yeah so do you have to wear that a lot of you all the time when you're yeah, so I mean, it will depend, obviously, on what placement you're doing. So at the moment, my place, my placement isn't as heavily based on site, so I don't have to go on to site as much. But in, I think, within the next six months, I'll be going on to site more, and then that'll mean that whenever I enter a controlled area, I always have to be wearing, and um, the yeah. And I think I think that's a great, you know, a really good point to make because I think there is those misconceptions. But you know, your role exactly, Holly, is is preventing all this stuff. It's making sure everyone can work in a safe environment. So key. Um. So next on my list. So thanks, Holly. Next one is Sean. So I'm going to come to you. Same kind of question. Tell us a bit about your role and what you've been up to. So I've got a lot of similar things to say as Holly. I'm actually, so because I'm in design, I'm in the design offices in Warrington, which is near Manchester. I'm not quite brave enough to go to Cumbria and bear the cold. <laughs> um, but because so basically what my role is, is we provide design solutions for any issues and requests for changes that happen from site in Cumbria. So in my role, I've been to site twice and you got a nice big coach from Warrington and they take you to site and you meet the system engineer and they show you what you're working on. So a lot of the time, because Sellafield is so old, we have, for example, a system that detects radiation. It's 60 years old. They don't have any more spare parts. The company doesn't exist anymore. So it become, actually becomes a hazard because if that breaks, then you can't detect anything and we might have I don't know, a nuclear issue, which will be a big problem. So trying to introduce new modern technology into old systems are quite difficult. And that's what our design team does. So the biggest issues is, is it compatible? Is it cost effective? And is it safe enough? Similar to what Holly was saying, even from the engineering aspect, yes, there's a physical, physical aspect. When you're there, you have to be safe and you have all the right dose meters and counters to make sure you're not getting radiated. But even in designing the systems, one of the jobs I'm working on, there's an issue because we can run a signal, it'll work, but we haven't deemed it safe enough, so that can't happen. So now we've got another design issue where we have to work around it and try and figure out a safe solution that will make everyone happy. So in doing so, um, site will say, we need this replaced. We do all the work and try to figure out what's right. We do all the paperwork, we update all the drawings in CAD, and then we have to get it verified. So our team really makes sure that all the drawings and documentation is kept up to date. Um, everyone's on the same page and all the documentation is there. Something does go wrong and we can do all the tests and then it gets um, fixed on site. And then we keep dealing with these requests and that's what our design team does. Um, so I moved from London all the way to Manchester. So it was a big scare for me as well. Um, I didn't do physics at A-level either. And with electrical design as my job title, I was kind of like, oh, I'm going to have to know everything about electrical design and all my uni stuff needs to be in here. Um, but in the team, there's a lot of support. Even when I first came in, my manager wasn't uh, around a lot, to be honest, but he gave me a lot of people in the team to show me, show me the ropes, essentially. 
and it's really nice just to ease into it and slowly you start with small tasks and you start getting involved with more things and it was nice I've, I've had a really enjoyable experience the grads really lovely as well and there's like a lot of support mechanisms that you can get wherever you are in Sellafield. And Sean do you want to tell us about your cakes? My cakes okay let me get ready for this so every Thursday the grads have decided to have Grad Cake Thursday, which is every week someone's nominated to bring in a cake. So you can either buy it or bake it. And then one of the grads assesses it on like quality, quantity, the wow factor and, um, and effort, right? So we have like this competition every Thursday. So this week, it was my week and I made red velvet um, cupcakes with buttercream that sprinkles to boost up the wow factor. So I'm going to get assessed and then see how far I get up the list. But it, it's, it's a good laugh. Like it's, it's hard because everyone's working in different departments, but we have like a table in the canteen just for the grads. So every day, like we spend 45 minutes together and get to know each other. And there's also lots of socials that we go to. So it's a really nice community. And even as I'm the, literally the only Southerner, I think I'm here, I'm still fitting in and everyone's treating me <laughs> nicely. <laughs> Luke, you want to critique Sean's cake live on air? Yeah. Oh, well, I, I, I'm not the person that goes and, and reviews this cake. I don't think I'm qualified, but um, it was a it, it was a very nice cake. I was I was very impressed. He, he, he might not look like a baker, but it was <laughs> it was uh, it was think, it was very good. Yeah, I think Sean's a self-admitted man of many talents, aren't you, Sean? Yeah, definitely. It doesn't look like it, but got a lot of tricks up my sleeve. Oh, it's good that you've got that community though, isn't it? They can all get together and have a bit of a natter every day. So, oh yeah, I really like that. Holly, did you say that you're up in Cumbria? Yeah, I'm, yeah. Um, Louise, I, li- I live sorry. about 20 seconds away from Louise. Oh, <laughs> do <dear>. you? <laughs> you would have had the snow the weekend. Well, I was actually back on the Wirral at the weekend. So I was oh. just trying to get, yeah, I thought I wouldn't be able to maybe get back home if it, if it got any worse, but... Mm. Yeah, um, oh. so I didn't see it. Yeah, because yeah. our boss, Sean, who's, who'll be watching, he lives in Cumbria and he was mm. showing us these absolute idyllic scenes of snow and it just looked, oh, winter wonderland. Gorgeous. Yeah. Well, nothing stops people from going for a walk here. So they'll, yeah, yeah they'll go in the snow or... That's because we're out north and Sean will be sat in, as in Sellafield, Sean, our Sean will be saying, where you jumper and your long john's on. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not I'm not looking forward to it um, like if you put me in the field I don't know what I'm gonna do let's, let's see what happens because we do have to do a six-month placement there and training there like I'm excited to go but I'm not excited to stay there if you get what I mean. you'll be fine just pack one third yeah, yeah. take right. a jumper um thanks thanks Sean well done on the um the cakes let us know what score you get I'll be interested to see we should actually yeah you should actually send us a picture uh, I can do, yeah. Put it on the hub. John on the hub. <laughs> yeah. um, Louise, going to come to you next. Um, same question, if you can remember it. I nearly forgot it myself. Was your role and what you've been up to and tell us a bit about what life is like for you. So my role is an environment graduate. My current placement is in the corporate environment team, and I'm working for two different teams at the minute. One of them does permitting and processes, so they look after every single permit we've got for discharges, this kind of permits are granted by the Environment Agency, which is one of our main regulators. And the other team I work for is the Strategy and Development Team. So I work on projects around corporate sustainability, uh, carbon management and life cycle analysis. 
And basically my whole two years are mapped out so I can become a fully competent environment advisor where I will be able to give advice whether I'm based on plant or in the offices. And I've really been enjoying the graduate life so far. Um, I think the job is really interesting because you don't really get this kind of challenges uh, in many other environment sectors. Mm. And I'd say it's quite a vibrant graduate community. I've made them the move from Lancaster, which is a student town, to, yeah. to West Cumbria, which is a little bit more remote. So I was quite worried about making friends and socialising, but everyone's been really going out of their way to get to know each other. We've had a couple of events where we got to meet and that was really nice. Oh, brilliant. That's good. Like, you know, it's kind of marrying what Sean said as well, you know, that community feel, which is great. And you need that, don't you, if you go into somewhere a little bit more remote. So, uh, Louise, just sticking with you then. So in terms of, um, I guess, your your programme so far, I, get you, I guess you've got a good indication of where you're going to end up career wise you know you're going to be working obviously on in that particular section of the business but what you know have you had any like um misconceptions have you learned much you know obviously you know doing your um qualifications so far you kind of knew what to expect you know you know probably you already knew the issues was there lots of areas that you've had to learn or has it been quite obvious for you I'd say both yes and no. So I feel like I've really been able to apply a lot of things that I've been learning at university. Mm. So we reviewed some of the legislation and now I'm working on this legislation. So it's really been a learning curve from university because now instead of learning about the things, I'm actually doing them. I've been given quite a lot of responsibility, I'd say. I'm not doing really high level stuff, but I'm I'm still given ownership of my projects, which I think is really good because it really helps my development. Mm-hmm. but so I'd say it's a logical learning curve because nothing I'm doing is making me wonder why I'm doing it it's all a logical progression but I'd say the depth and the complexity is a bit higher although my team is really supportive with everything and every question I may ask them perfect no, that's good that's really interesting so thanks Louise and then Luke I'm going to come to you um tell us a bit about your role and what you've been up to uh, yeah, so I work uh, in the same section as Sean. Uh, Sean's an electrical engineer, I'm a process engineer. So yeah. um, we, we provide a sort of um, support to um, plants on the Sellafield site. Um, so as Sean said, there's many facilities that are sort of older that have sort of that have legacy waste to treat, etc. like that. Um, and then it would be um, up to us to um, design them in a way that would be safe so I would work with someone like Sophie to be like I'm designing the system is it is it going to be safe um, is it going to um, apply with the regulations so our reg- main regulators are um, the ONR which is the Office for Nuclear Regulation and the EA which is the Environment Agency so we we work on a way of how can we get the job done but how can we get it done safe and, and, and it's always a balancing act between getting the job done and and, and trying to deliver the mission which is to to provide a um to provide like sort of a safe site for future generations um Mm. but then also how can we do that safely as well obviously as you can imagine there's a lot of things that you need to consider a lot of risks similar to what what's been mentioned before if i do this thing then great fix my problem but i've created sort of three or four more risks and, and how can i so so my job would be how can i design that out of the system 
but also under sort of a, a, a time pressure under we need to get stuff done we need to operate etc yeah. because the, the, it's a lot of sort of a, a balancing act between if we do nothing then is, is, is it going to be worse down the line than if we do something that maybe gives a, a bit of a risk at the at, at the time but actually for the next sort of 30 40 years it's going to be dealt with and you don't you don't have to don't have to deal with it so i think there's a lot of decisions to be made right at the top of like the executive level but then also that filter down coming mm. through it so um yeah so that, that's mainly just a bit of a brief overview about some of the Brilliant. issues and, and sticking with you luke what would you say your favorite project has been that you've been involved in so far my favorite project um so I'd, I'd go back to my industrial placement um, year, actually. So yeah. I, I mentioned previously that um, I, I, we were that we want to put in all the waste into into what is called a deep geological repository, um, and I was working on. Um, on a model which I, if you would have told me that I was doing modeling in my industrial placement year I would have been like no I, I, I don't want to do it I'd, I'd, I'd always when I was at uni always did modeling always was just like oh just uh, so difficult to learn so difficult to get the resources etc but I was working on this um, this model that would track um, the waste that come from different facilities um, and and basically put them into um, into the um, deep geological facility. So um, it was a lot of trying to understand what type of waste we've got, when facilities are available. It was it was more in, in like a planning directorate than necessarily like the engineering side. And I suppose that goes and highlights like the different roles that you could get. So I came here thinking I'd be a design engineer and I'm like modeling and I'm like planning how these, how, how certain facilities will, will empty in sort of 50 or 60 years time and, and in, in order for how they're going to enter then uh, how they're going to like work in 50 or 60 years time what do we need to make sure that we've got online in 20 years time and 10 years time or, or whatever so that was a really interesting project and gave me a big overview of the site because it's massive it's 11,000 people it's a lot of different plants a lot of different um, facility areas etc yeah. That, that gave me a really good overview of that. Do you know what's interesting hearing from you all? You all have, you know, the number one key thing sounds as though it's safety. And then after that, it's, you know, you, you're weighing up all the time is, you know, what can we do now to prevent and, you know, be proactive and reactive? And what's the future looking like? Yeah. Um, so it, I suppose it goes back to that point where you said earlier, Ross, about, you know, you hear the word decommission. And it sounds as though it's, you know, coming to the end of its life or, you know, it's that's it, project done. But it's not, is it? You know, there's so much stuff to be thinking about. And Luke, you've covered quite a lot of those points of do we do this task now or do we leave it? And then, you know, might have a bigger problem down the line or do you face the problem now? You know, it, it sounds as though you're constantly thinking, but you've all got very similar problems, but working on completely different projects. That's almost sounds like you're at the start of everything, doesn't it? Yeah. As well, you know, you're at the start of something else to move forward with. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. So sticking with projects, Sean, I'll come to you next. What's the favourite project you've worked on so far? So the thing with PFDO is that we get different tasks from different parts of the site. So 
you do have the option when you do join uh, engineering to work on some of the bigger projects that do take 20, 30 years to finish. So in my job in plant-facing design, is very fast paced. So at the moment I have five jobs going on, but the issue is a lot of it is on hold because when, when you do work as Ellerfield, like you, you get genuine real life engineering problems and sometimes there's a delay and you've got to talk to site, you've got to wait for communication, you've got to wait for the suppliers. So I think the most technical job and interesting job I'm working at the moment is the example is earlier where we had an obsolete system that's monitoring the gamma radiation in some water. And the place where you can see where everything's happening is like 150 meters distance in this building. So the old system, uh, uses this cable. So in electrical terms, you've got this really long cable, you've got a tiny signal. It, it's, you're not going to get it that far because it's going to deg degrade from all the, all the losses. So with the new system, we aren't able to, to put it across 150 meters. So you're saying, oh, why don't we just put some new cable in? Yeah. The issue is that, sorry, wait. Oh, yeah. The issue is that that's going to cost like tens of thousands of pounds because we have to put it through buildings. So, yeah, the issue is that we're trying to find a new and like innovative way to put in the new equipment while using this existing cable. And like I mentioned earlier, it's the way we're trying to do it isn't recognized as like a safe, safe enough for seller field. So that's a problem we're trying to work on now. And it's like it's a real head scratcher. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's a bit difficult. Interesting. Can you put something around it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah so one of, one of the new jobs I got today um, it's a lot different so we have a crane and basically the remote it's like a little remote control like it's got like a tiny RC car um, that doesn't work anymore and they don't sell the parts so we're trying to find this new wireless controller so because it's new we, we don't know if it's safe enough it's not tested so I need to look through a lot of documentation and write up like a safety report and a design justification for this new piece of equipment so in PFDL you are literally working on different things in different um, areas even though I'm electrical I'm dealing with process people mechanical people um, and yeah it's not just you're stuck in electrical you're you're literally all over the place trying to learn different things and it is interesting but it is fast-paced and yeah it is like real real world engineering to be honest yeah. yeah, I like that as well because you will mm. be learning from lots of different people, won't you? And sometimes you'll probably learn something, and then, and then you know, maybe even a year down the line, you think, Oh, yeah, that would could apply to this. Or, yeah, interesting. Louise, gonna come to you next. Favorite project that you've worked on so far? So, I've not worked on a lot of projects because I've already started a couple of months ago, months ago but I'm really enjoying working on the water permit application because it allows me to work to different areas of the business people doing the projects, a couple of engineers, but also the rest of the environment team and um, might eventually get to meet stakeholders from the environment agency, which is a really good development opportunity. Yeah, definitely. Uh, is, water, is water a problem sometimes? Definitely not a problem, no, but because the industry is really heavily regulated to make sure everything is safe as usual. Uh, we just need to put in applications whenever we want to do something a bit differently to make sure right. that everyone knows what we're up to. It's really, it's really regulated essentially. I can imagine, yeah. Again, safety, health and safety. Holly, coming to you, health and safety. <laughs> Favorite project? Um, so I'm really actually enjoying the project I'm working on at the moment. Um, so basically we are hoping to implement a new um, X-ray machine into one of our 
one of the rooms within one of our many buildings, basically. Um, and essentially what we're going to be doing is like scanning packages that we've uh, we've received from uh, Dune Ray. So that there's a, actually a nuclear yeah, a nuclear research facility up in Dune Ray. And they sent us all their packages, basically. Um, and a bit of a panic because a lot, we don't really know a lot of the state of them, of what's inside. So some might have had corrosion, um, et cetera, like... So that's why we need to scan them basically and figure out um, what state that they're in so that we know how to deal with them. And um, so I'm trying to figure out if introducing this X-ray booth to this room will basically incur any criticality hazards. So I mentioned before about like the chain reaction thing. So will it will it increase the likelihood of a chain reaction happening? Will it affect, for example, like the alarm system in there so that we won't detect if a chain reaction happens? Um, so yeah, so I have to write like it's called a CPM, but basically I have to write like a report summarizing that um, it, it is going to be safe and that they can like go ahead with it basically. Um, but yeah, it's been good. It's been interesting because I have to kind of get involved with a lot of different areas as well and speak to a lot of people and like kind of network quite a bit. Um, yeah, and I am I'm really enjoying it. Oh, wow. And just one question. How do you do your job then? So because technically then it could all be theory so you you think oh yeah nothing's going to happen you turn the x-ray machine on and then it does happen so basically you do you know that you, try and, you try and predict like any all the bad things that could happen so what happens is for a new process such as this such as implementing this x-ray booth you'll do what's called a hazop which is basically where you'll literally get into the very very nitty-gritty of it and you'll consider every single thing that could possibly go wrong and how it could go wrong um, and these can take so these are these are meetings that happen over days and they can take literally hours um, and they're really really important and basically they help us figure out like what controls we need to put in place should you know should this happen should someone drop a package should should a package um overpressurize like um, so once they've been done, like you can't really do any new work unless you've done a proper hazard assessment, basically. So a lot of the work that I do, hopefully in the future, I'll be able to get involved in like writing my own hazard assessments. Um, but um, yeah, and you need like loads of input for them as well, because obviously you need input from engineering, you need input from yeah. conventional safety, you need input from me and criticality, you need input from people who work with the dose and shielding uh monitors as well and um, so yeah it's 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 a big a big task i bet you have a bit of a love-hate relationship though honestly with some some department you know they want maybe want to get something done and you're like no one minute let me just check <laughs> i thought that yeah like that to be honest well that hasn't happened so far because obviously i haven't really i'm not in a position where i can really give approval or anything yeah. to anything yet but um i think as you've heard from everyone else like safety is everyone's priority so even if that you're not directly working in process safety you know you're it's always on it's always at the forefront of your mind so absolutely. I think that they'll be understanding if I tell them that they they can't I'm actually wait a minute yeah absolutely five packages at a time because they will explode so, <laughs> so don't do it. <laughs> I just have to give Rona at Doom Ray she's Doom Ray obviously advertised with Grad Cracker as well so Rona at Doom Ray Hello, I was speaking to you this morning. Um, oh. So yeah, you've got a mention now. It's part of the famous webinars. So thank you very much, Holly. Um, Ross, we're going to come back to you now and just speak about the, the graduates and the interns early 
stages um, at Sellafield. So obviously the grads have done a fantastic job to sell Sellafield and everything that they can get involved in. Um, but what support is offered to graduates who are joining um, in the first few months? And I think you want to cover off about the Graduate Council, which sounds quite interesting. Yeah, so we've we've got a dedicated graduate development team which are there to support the graduates and students throughout their time with us. So that's, you know, looking at the training that they do and making sure that, that the placements are suitable for them and they're rotated around different areas so they get a, a mix of experience. I mean, we, because we recruit for so many different professions, um, everybody's experience can be slightly different you know when there's 12 different professions but within one profession they're looking for four different types of engineers sometimes everybody's experiences can be different and I would say the development can a lot of the time be driven by the graduates so making sure that they're really proactive and pushing themselves forward and, and asking for that training and asking for that support from the teams that are available um but yeah graduate development do a really good job and they start off with a bit of a welcome week trying to get everybody together and create the sense of community um as we've heard from the, the, the graduates themselves but the the graduate council so they are a group of um graduates the graduates might correct me here. I'm sure it's the graduates there in the second year that are elected into those roles. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, I'm right. Um, and they um, specifically look after sort of like the graduates like welfare. So they'll, they'll get feedback from graduates and feed that into that team. So there's a, a voice for them to be heard. And they can look at things like the training and they um, arrange social events. They sort out the, the STEM work, you know, going out to, to schools or other kinds of promotion to promote STEM careers to sort of younger people as well. So yeah, the Graduate Council do do an amazing job and they come to kind of like the governance of the scheme as well. So they've got that like input into the people that are making all the decisions. So the scheme kind of, not essentially ran by the graduates, but it's kind of, they've got the right voice and they've got that way in. So yeah, um, but the, the Graduate Council do do good work with like charity and stuff like that as well. So they'll run charity events, um, and stuff along those lines so yeah loads and loads of good work yeah it sounds it thank you very much Ross and um, everybody's mentioned about the location of Sellafield being quite remote or quite rural um, so can you tell um, the students who are watching what's on offer relocation wise and what help do you give the graduates if they have to relocate um, to Sellafield? Yeah, so most graduates do relocate from somewhere and mm -hmm. any graduate, even if they move in Sellafield or Warrington, is supported with a relocation allowance if it's from more than 30 miles away. Of, oh. I think it's £1,400, which is something like £175 a week for your first eight weeks. Yeah. Um, and that's to kind of help you get settled into a new area. And I mean, I, I know how a lot of our graduates feel, you know, moving from somewhere like London or Manchester to a place like West Cumbria. I mean, I grew up in West Cumbria and I moved to Newcastle and I was like, I'm never going to move back. And, and here I am. <laughs> but um, it, it's a different way of life. You know, you're not in that hustle and bustle of a city. And um, it, but it is like more of a community. And there is still there is still small towns with things going on. You kind of got to like you go out there and find your way you know not everything's on your doorstep as much as it would be if you're in a city but you have got that nice way of life you know you're not getting stuck in traffic for hours and hours and hours a day you know you can go and walk in the Lake District and on the flip side you know the guys at Risley the, the offices are based in Warrington so I guess you could live you know in Manchester if you like or 
in the surrounding areas and still have that kind of city life. Um, so yeah, our, our two locations are polar opposites, but kind of give two different ways of life. Yeah. West Cumbria is probably not what people expect. You know, people probably get off the train and are a bit like, whoa, there's not yeah. much here. But once you get into it and you get into a community and, you know, I, I, I love it here. I think it's great. And you still have that. You're not stuck here. You know, you can still get to cities if you want to do that. You can still meet up oh, with yeah. friends and, and go away, which a lot of graduates do do. But I think, you know, the majority of the people that join us are coming from, from cities. So we have to be wary of that and, you know, make everybody feel as comfortable and in a community which you know when you're recruiting kind of a big number of graduates like we are this year 98 there's going to be a lot of people in the same position as you looking for house shares looking to meet up looking to you know create that sort of community mm, yeah and you're on the coast as well aren't you so there's always you know the coast there's, there's Carlisle and Workington and everything else which I know there's they've got there's been a lot of government funding there hasn't they to put um, more into the area and, and some, some really good stuff going on um, yeah. what I'd like to do now is all about it's all about planning when you live rurally as well so I live about 20 minutes half an hour for for a round trip to get a pint of milk so it's all about planning your shopping so that's a hint and tip from Carla and um, so what I'm to do now is I'm looking at the time I know Ross I'm going to stick with you and just go through the application process because I think yeah. that's something that everybody would like to hear about and mm-hmm. um, so a student applies through with a group grad cracker hub for either your placements or your graduate opportunities and um, what are the next stages so you'll you'll come into us and we'll obviously check that you're eligible and you, you meet our minimum criteria, which is obviously a suitable degree discipline on what you've applied for. You've graduated in the last three years and we're, we're always looking for a minimum of a two one as well. Um, you would then go through to the profession. They would then look at your CV and your application. And like we say, you know, they're looking for that little bit extra. You've tailored your application. If you go through that stage that you then go through to an aptitude test, which is like numerical and verbal, which quite a lot of, I think, graduate employers use those um, kind of tests. Um, And then you move on to a video interview now. So previously that would have been a telephone interview, but through COVID, we obviously introduced more technology. So that is now a a video behavioural interview. So all of our interviews are based on competencies. So we're just trying to get examples from you of when you've done something that might be related to what you're being asked. So if you're being asked about problem solving, it doesn't need to be specific to sell a field. It just needs to be specific to your own experiences. And then following that, you would then go to the final stage, which is a virtual assessment centre. So we introduced those last year and we're still continuing with virtual this year. Obviously, the COVID rules keep changing and we're, you know, we're back to masks and things like that already. So um, I think it was a good decision this year. And um, yeah, you would join us on the assessment centre and complete some more activities, which is normally around um, you join us in the morning and then finish about one half one. Um, so it's not too tiresome being sat in front of a computer all day because we know it can be quite you know sitting at a screen and you feel a bit lethargic don't you from it all day so um yeah that's our that's our process at the minute obviously because of COVID previously we, we did do face-to-face centers um but the virtual is working really great and I think you guys all did the virtual center as well so you this is our first intake of graduates that came from a completely virtual process um 
so yeah it, it's crazy that we can work this way <laughs> yeah definitely I can't believe we're still working like this so uh, grads I know um, Ross just mentioned about you all coming through virtually is there any specific hints and tips you could give a student when they're thinking about applying um, and going through the application process and this is out to anybody who wants to unmute themselves and speak up because I know it's a question that we haven't planned for <laughs> sorry <laughs> come on Sean uh, I, I'd say for me um when you apply if you, if you get to the stage of interview they uh, they know you're smart already like you're going to get your grades so just let your personality shine through and don't don't be shy to be brave and ask questions and just be yourself because i think that's what they're really looking for is if you can get along and get your work done because they know you have the grades and you're smart enough to do it yes Haley, our application that's the key message from ross is not in a way anybody else want to give a hint and tip hint or tip yes i'd say do your research because I applied to a lot of graduate schemes but I think this one I really put the effort in and it really showed because I got the job in the end yeah, yeah. of course yeah good point Louise thank you Luke you unmuted yourself did you want to say something uh, yeah it was just along the same lines I think that mm. it, 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 when you go towards that not obviously your application but um they're not expecting you to know everything. They're not expecting you to come in there and, and wow them about an industry that they've probably had experience of 20 years in. So yeah. they're not expecting you to do that, but they're expecting you to have an interest in it and have do some do some research, do get, go online, learn about sort of the current issues that might be there. I think that Sellafield have, have um, published a, a manifesto within within the last 12 months. So that sort of highlights what we as an organisation want to be moving towards so I think there's stuff like we are one team um we support one another sort of those those really basic statements that you can apply to everything that you do so if, even if it's something like that going into a, an interview and knowing a couple of the manifestos and going you know what I align to these manifestos these manifesto statements shows that you've gone above and beyond compared to someone that's gone in and go I really I really like I, don't, I really want a job like, or or a lot or along the lines of yes it'd be really good to work for your company and yeah. sort of yeah. like more vague statements if you mm. if you're gone in you'd be really specific then um I think I think that would that will um put put you on the on on the road to um hopefully hopefully getting offered a place so yeah I think it's just about showing you passionate isn't it showing you passionate about Sellafield um, and then aligning your your personal passions like Louise did um during her master's um course so it's aligning both of those so your personal passions and obviously the passions of Sellafield and and what they're looking to achieve in the in the next couple of years um I have got time I'm going to scrape this one um we're going to do key benefits so what do you guys think are a key is a key benefit to working at Sellafield um Holly, I'm going to give you some time to think about it. Sean, I'm going to come to you first. Key benefit. Um, I think the key benefit is that you will actually use your engineering degree here. If you did like okay. engineering at uni, you will have to think like an engineer every day because there are problems to solve. And if you can't solve that one, they're going to put you on another one and you have to think differently. Uh, other key benefits, I feel like the structure is really good. Everyone is really helpful and you have a lot of support for your, not only personally, but for your career as well. You'd have a mentor for your chartership and yeah I think there's a good network here as well because we can rotate every six months the more you talk to people the more you find out and you can find out what could really work for you as well as get your competencies for your chartership yeah it sounds like you've got a good friendship network as well um there Sean so thank you for that um Holly have you got a benefit uh yeah I would say I kind of touched on it before but I think 
like it's the challenge and sort of like how much you're going to be pushed and kind of like you're not going to see these risks that are coming together this complex anywhere else it's such a huge challenge and I think as well you get to be a part of something that Sellafield are basically going to be world leaders on really so this is something that hasn't you know really been done before and then obviously as more decommissioning of nuclear sites takes place across the world people other companies will learn from Sellafield so it's really like it's such an exciting and challenging place to be yeah Brilliant. Thank you very much, Holly. Well, we're going to end it there. It's been, I cannot believe this hour has gone so quickly. The stories that you guys have got are absolutely phenomenal. So thank you very much for sharing those with us. And thank you, Ross, um, for joining us today. It's been lovely to see you again. And don't forget this webinar will be live on the Sellafield Hub tomorrow. And then we'll break it down into bite-sized chunks, um, which should be live early next week. And so thank you, everybody, for joining us. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Ross. And don't forget me and Jess are joined by Siemens next Thursday at 2 p.m. So we'll see you all then. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. 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 Thank you.